0: what's good people you're listening to a little water radio and this is not for nothing i am chris and i'm all by myself i'm all alone the other chris has ditched me and left me all alone so i have to do a show by myself so it's just me and whoever's listening i hope at least one person is um welcome to the program We're going to have a really great time tonight. We're going to talk lots and lots of things about sports and maybe a little pop culture. Uh, Actually, we'll probably just talk sports. And hopefully we'll talk a lot of basketball and a little bit of uh, golf. Yeah, that's right. We're going to talk golf. You know why? Because, see, Chris isn't here and it's my show tonight and I'm in charge and I'm talking golf. So uh, suck it, everyone who doesn't like golf. Uh, seriously though, honestly, <laughs> honestly, we are going to talk about golf. We're going to talk about John Daly. I wanna, I'm going to talk about John Daly. No no else is going to talk about him, because I'm here, like I said, by myself, so I'm the only, only one that's going to talk about John Daly, but we're, you're going to listen to it. Oh, you're going to listen to it. John Daly's 51 years old. He is on the senior tour. The, like with the what the PGA, likes to call the Champions Tour because yeah, they're all champions, they've all won something. Hopefully, I think. I don't know. Did you have to win something to get on the senior tour? And when, when did it stop being called the senior tour? Like, it growing up, it was always like, oh, you know, like Fuzzy Zeller and Gigi Rodriguez, they're on the seniors tour. Now it's, it's the Champions Tour, which is great. Great for John Daly because he actually won a tournament. And I think he got about three hundred thousand dollars for doing it. So good for you, good for you, man. Um, I think this is kind of awesome, actually, because this dude, this guy, does not look like a golfer. And of all people, to and you know, if there's one, if there's a, if there's an athlete, quote unquote, out there uh, of a sport that's golf, that you really don't have to look like athletes. Although there, more and more, these guys are looking pretty fit and fine tuned. John Daly at fifty-one years old. One of the biggest Beer bellies You've ever seen It's very impressive He's a bud man Of course Uh, He won a title um, A tournament And the first one Since 2004 Which I had to go back And do some research on this Because this is This is pretty nuts I forgot that John Daly actually Won A fair amount of tournaments Back in the 90s uh, And he won two Of the majors Which is You know I don't know. I don't remember that John Daly was that good that he won two majors. And then he won something else in two thousand four. I don't know. It was just a regular tournament, whatever, blah, 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 on the on the champion on a tour. Not the champions tour, just the regular tour. But uh and then he just kinda dropped off a cliff. You know, you kinda lost track of John Daly, whatever happened to him. He had a lot of problems, he, you know, kinda little drinking and that kind of (laughs) thing. But uh, so I just wanted to you know, give a little shout out, to, give a little love to John Daly, man This guy's guy just plugging along The guy, All he wants to do basically is just drink, smoke, and play golf Pretty much, I think Never really heard about anything else He's doing anything else He might be involved in music, so he might have a band, but who doesn't these days So that's not that big a deal Anyway uh, <laughs> Although I don't know what this says I don't know what this says about the sport itself uh, when you can finish the last round yesterday on Sunday, he finished the last round of the tournament uh, with three straight bogeys uh, and still won. Apparently, he was just dominating. He was killing it, and he was crushing the competition. Uh, guys weren't even—they couldn't—they weren't even that close. Apparently, and he still bogeyed the last three holes and won the tournament. And then he gets showered in champagne. It's probably there's this whole golf etiquette thing, right? That I don't, you know. It's kind of like baseball and the unwritten rules and like the gentleman's game and all these things and like you, know, you don't have to be proper and blah blah blah. It's kind of stupid. These, it's just stupid, ridiculous rules. But in golf, there's there's no other player, right? That would that would get showered but with bottles of champagne and just stand there and take it while he's wearing his American flag pants and he's sponsored by some company that's like loud loud sportswear or something it's called like that. It's it's pretty awesome. I like it. Um he gets literally guys, other other players come running out onto the green, shaking balls of champagne and then and just douse them with it. That's kind of a baller move. And I mean it's kind of happy Gilmore ish in a way that I don't think any other golfer would, would do that or they would allow that to happen. I think I think a little bit with John Taylor is they just look the other way a little bit and just go all right, he's here. Let's just whatever happens, we'll just kind of go with it, and then move on, and hopefully something else better happens. Uh, you know, I, it's kind of it's. I like I like the rebel. I like the outcast guy that John Daly is as far as the golfing community and the golfing world of it. it I. It, how do you not root for this guy? He's a he's an everyman kind of dude who just plays golf and he hits the crap ton out of a ball. Uh the rest of his game i don't know if it's that great or not obviously not if he bogged three straight holes but uh he still you know he can still swing it and why not why not you know there's i was as i was doing the research today kind of looking this up again all this stuff this, this dude <laughs> this guy how is he not how is it, and i'll start i'll start with this actually how is is he I, I this is what i got to thinking is he not the most underrated golfer in the history of the sport, and is he also not the most probably physically gifted? I don't even know if physically is, is the right word to use in there, but he's the, mo- the most gifted golfer ever. You know, there, I mean, you know, Nicholas and Palmer. I mean, there's been a lot of great guys who are just immensely talented, incredible. Tiger Woods, and they, like, I, but there's even a story that kind of illustrates how this, how Tiger Woods feels about. John Daly and there's a you know I don't know if this was true but John Daly's even said that this story is true and after a round of golf years and years ago John Daly was hanging out having some beers with some of the other golfers I think or something Tiger Woods walks by and uh, John Daly's like you know Tiger come join us have a beer Woods is basically like no I can't I gotta go work out or I gotta go you know whatever train and do some stuff John's like dude you need to have a beer now and Tiger's like dude I can't I have to actually you know work to be good at golf in essence and was like you know if i had your talent i probably would be drinking a beer right now but i can't i got to go get better so i think you can see this sort of the respect for his game that players hold him in in regards to his you know to his abilities it's just there's a, there's a whole other you know there's you know there's a whole other level to this that you know there's a lot of players that have a lot of talent that flame out and it's even more impressive then isn't it that John Daly was partying his ass off in the 90s and that's when he won his two his two majors he was drinking all the time partying I mean there's 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 all kinds of crazy stories about him and partying late nights and basically like being probably hung over and he's, there's even pictures of him smoking while he's golfing there's other stuff that he's not on tour he's just you know playing charity events or whatever. Media functions or something, but in the golfing game, where he's shoeless, shirtless, and he's even hitting golf balls off of like cans of beer, and then like, chugging the beer after he hits a monster shot. Uh, but that, I mean, that kind of doesn't—that kind of proves my point, though, is that with all the stuff that he's done to himself and his body, and not taking care of himself like, how, like most athletes do, uh, and you would think most probably golfers. I don't know. Maybe back in the '90s, maybe that wasn't the maybe that wasn't the case. Maybe most golfers didn't care so much until Tiger Woods maybe came around. And Then all of a sudden, you kind of. But you got. to I mean, Arnold Palmer was was smoking back in the day too, so I guess that's not that big of a deal. But uh, the fact that he he was raging through the pretty much the whole night, and he's even said, you know, he he you know probably shouldn't have done that to his body and all these you know things and stories. And he, I don't know if he regrets it necessarily, but he realizes that. You know, there was there was something there that he probably could have been better at, uh, as far as himself and and working towards, you know, being a better golfer, maybe. But I mean, man, I, I sometimes I, I have a hard time like showing up for work. When I was younger, I was even in my twenties and going to work hungover. Uh, it was the worst. Can't think. It's a hard time to like you know just do like basic motor skills, weird stuff like that. That I don't know if. That's why I'm impressed with John Daly And his history Of him being a, a golfer And just, you know, killing it for all these years It did catch up to him, I think, in the, in the, in the 2000s And he, he, I think he dropped off immensely Fine, so be it But he was living the life And it was pretty good It was pretty good So if I had a bottle of Budweiser right now I would crack it and tip it to John Daly Because I am definitely impressed Um By this guy's career and achievements. And he's just a dude. He's just a normal dude. He just got hanging. You ever hear him on a a talk show? I mean, I would love to interview John Daly and just, you know, shoot the shit with him, so to speak. But he's, uh, he's just, he just sounds like he's just like a normal. He lives in like a motorhome or something. Basically, he parks it, you know, near the golf course during tournaments. He just hangs out, man. He doesn't, you know, I think he's just kind of, at this point, he's just like, listen, I'm a simple guy. I live a simple life. He's just a, he's just kind of an every man kind of dude, and that's why I think a lot of people cheer for him. And he and he weird he wears weird clothes, you know. It's not traditional like golf clothes. He's just he's just sort of embraced himself. I think at this point, and uh, and he goes with it, man. And it's I think people dig it. I I would I was I'm wondering if if golf needs to embrace that more a little bit. And I'm not going to get too far into this conversation, but does does golf need to embrace John the John Daly's a little bit more to sort of you know Tiger Woods isn't there anymore He's not a presence anymore Basically in golf He's a presence but not on the course And so you're not Watching golf anymore for Tiger Woods You're not, you're not turning on the channel On the TV and going hey you know Tiger Woods is playing In the Masters or some other just You know the Waste Management Classic or something And you're not you know watching Tiger Woods So Because of that Should Golf kind of you know of an eye on something A little more marketable Guys like John Daly I mean they might be able to get guys To maybe t- toe the line a little more You know wear a little You know like Payne Stewart Used to wear these outrageous outfits Not outrageous but as far as golf was I mean but you know We wear the knickers and you know whatever can, You know can golf kind of Accommodate that a little bit more And would, would that be good for them I don't know Or would you know is golf kind of Unique in a sense Because it is this sort of You know Gentleman's game And you know We have all these Proper rules and regulations And you can call in And tell someone Tell the tour That someone You saw someone Cheating on TV I don't know It's it's, a, it's an idea I had A thought passing thought Basically Nothing more than that At this point But I, I think it would be Good for golf I would probably watch it more If I saw more John Daly's Some more dudes That look like You know Normal Joe Schmoes I mean I don't I don't have a beer belly But seeing a guy like that Playing golf I'm cool with it I'd watch him. He's a little outrageous, a little happy Gilmore ish, you know, get the crowd kind of cheering and chanting, going, getting into it, you know, kind of walking around, high fiving people and stuff. Stuff like that. A little more, just a little more style, a little more personality to it. Why not? I'm down with it. All right. I think that's enough golf talk, right? I'm good. I got it out. I feel good. I feel real, real good about it. I'm actually, uh, I was actually really disappointed when I remembered Or I was reminded actually that Chris wasn't, uh, the other C. Chris wasn't uh, going to be joining me tonight So I was like, oh man, that's a bummer I'm really sad, I kind of cry a little, a little drop the eye And then I remembered, wait, I want to talk off I don't know if Chris wants to He might not allow me, he'll just keep talking over me like he always does Boom, shot Anyway, so there's my golf talk Let's talk some NBA I love basketball It's fantastic It is, isn't it? Except for it's kind of not With the series right now It's kind of boring And that's because there's two good teams That you know are going to win, right? One's in the East Coast and one's in the West Coast And they're not going to play each other Until they play in the finals And you kind of know the outcome of what's going to happen here, right? And I don't want to watch a game at 1130 at night when I already know what's going to happen, basically. It's sort of like, well, you ever try to watch a game, like a repeat the next day? But you already heard the score, the final? You, know, you wake up and you check your phone and you're like, oh, the Warriors won? Cool. Hey, look, replay's on I'm going to watch the whole game right now at 10, you know, the next day. You try. I've tried. Maybe I'm just a dork. I've tried to do it. And I'm like, why am I watching this? I already know the outcome. It's basically, the it's, it's exactly the same thing. You know the outcome. You know the Warriors are going to beat the Jazz. The Jazz, have, you know, kind of played them close, but in the end, it's just not going to do it. And it's not that it's boring. The games are actually pretty exciting. Warriors are, are a great team. I like to watch them play. They play good basketball. The, the Cavs have actually been, uh, I've, I've enjoyed watching them play basketball as a team. What they're doing and just dominating their opponents, I've enjoyed watching that for some reason. Normally I don't, but I have enjoyed it. I guess I'm enjoying watching greatness because LeBron is killing it. He's out of his mind. And the whole the whole the whole team is actually. They're they're playing ridiculous. Insane. But I'm also at like eight o'clock at night watching the Cavs Yesterday, what was it? Four o'clock game, three o'clock game was Cavs. I was like, I got I got nothing better to do. I was by myself. So I just was like, alright, i watch the Cavs. I enjoyed watching the game. But if that game was on any later and if I had other stuff to do, I probably would have done it. Probably wouldn't have taken the time to watch the game. And I think it's, I started thinking that like this is two, I think, pretty good reasons. Oh, I mean, and one of them just, I mean, it's obvious, right? It's just, there's just two, I mean, the, you got the Wizards and the Celtics. That's a pretty good series. I've been watching that series, and that's a, that's a good series to watch. Because you don't really know what's going to happen, except for you know, Wizards of course blew them out, but it's gone back and forth, right? It's it's tied. Is it tied two two now? I believe. Um, But that's been a great series to watch. It's uh, it's been interesting. Stuff has been happening. It's been crazy, man. Um, (laughs) It's uh, it's it's been fun to watch because you just don't know like who's going to do what. Someone's going to get in a fight. Someone's going to take charge. Isaiah Thomas is going to go for fifty. Now he's going to be held in check and not even make. Did he even get to 15 or 20 last night? John Wall is going, you know, is playing out of his mind. I, there's a, I don't think there's another player I'd want to watch more than John Wall right now, except for maybe LeBron. I'm not even sure I really want to watch LeBron because he's already so amazing. You know what he's going to do. John Wall has stepped it up. And that's why I actually love watching playoffs. That's one of the reasons, is, is waiting for one of those guys to step up. You know, like Paul George didn't step up in that series against Cleveland. He he was a no show. Jimmy Butler stepped up against Celtics. John Wall's now stepped up two series in a row and that's pretty awesome. Isaiah Thomas is trying to he's trying to he's trying to overcome his littleness and it's been pretty great to watch. He stepped up big but now has the Wizards kind of found them out. Have they I, Wizards have they found out how to guard John Wall- or, uh, Isaiah Thomas. And I think they're taking a page out of Cleveland Cavaliers' playbook from the finals last year when they just, you know, they kind of roughed up Steph Curry. They, you know, they kind of bruised and battered him a little bit, throwing little elbows and knees and hips into him, coming around screens and picks, sitting hard. You know making life rough on Steph Curry that's what they did and it worked it worked pretty well it kind of threw him off his game a little bit he was banged up a little bit already from the one of the previous series but I think it was a good game plan for Cav- Cavaliers and, it, and I think it worked and I think you know Chicago didn't do it at all I they, they kind of played right into the hands of, of Boston and Isaiah Thomas strengths of like you know letting him drive by you not giving him hard fouls letting him hit three-pointers and, and the Wizards kind of started doing that In the first couple games And I think now they realize What they need to be doing They need to be the bully on the block here They need to be a little tougher They need to show some grit And some heart And some strength and, and it worked because Isaiah Thomas was complaining yesterday Or today Whenever it was He had a press conference About how the refs You know Were letting him hold And push And and grab his jersey And those kinds of things And it's the playoffs Right? I mean You gotta step it up a little bit They don't call it the same game As they do in the regular season they, you know, look at what happens again. Look at what happened to Steph Curry last, you know, in the finals last year. The the and it happens in football too. You talk about you know in football, like the the refs swallow their whistles a little bit. They do they do it in the NBA as well. And so, uh, you know, Wizards, you know, are accomplishing that goal of making life in the game tough for Isaiah, and you know, making them earn. There's no way in the heck. They're going to let him get 50 again right I mean he's lucky he got He didn't even get 20 in this last game So anything you know between 20 And probably 30 is probably going to be A good game for Isaiah Thomas unless he can Somehow figure out a way to counteract What the Wizards are are going to try to do To him so But I am interested In seeing if Isaiah Thomas can figure That out and if he can step up his game And adapt and evolve and, And try to you know flip the script On the Wizards so that's why that that series is intriguing i mean the whole series is intriguing with the fighting and i mean not that i'm i'm condoning fighting but you know it's kind of interesting when these guys actually you know take kind of you know it's kind of some of the stuff personal into heart a little bit and was like dude what up so that's been a great series i loved watching that series that one i'll tune in for that one i'll stay up late if that was a, if that was 11:30 you know at night 12 would I stay up? Yeah, if it was a close game, of course I would stay up on that one, obviously um, What other game? Oh, Houston, San Antonio That's been a pretty good series, too It's actually been a little more entertaining than I thought It's been, it's been back and forth Both of them kind of like, you know, showed up Making moves Scoring lots of points on each other You know, like San Antonio's playing great defense one night And the next night you know Houston's going off they're allowing everything so I, that's been kind of a crazy series i don't know what's going to happen on that one that one's been but that one's been super interesting to watch too and it's been like pretty good basketball good offense um, watching watching the spurs and and how they're playing and responding to Houston And and trying to use other players, you know, with Tony Parker going down and trying to, you know, use a couple more bench players, kind of stepping up a little bit. It really, to me, it just kind of, you know, Greg Popovich is the best coach ever, probably. Like, this guy is pretty damn good. When he can, when you lose Tony Parker in the next game, you step up and you have a a rookie guard starting and actually playing pretty well. I don't think he played the, you know, he didn't play a lot. I don't remember his minutes, but he, That guy stepped up A lot of other guys Stepped up Lamarcus Aldridge Stepped up All of a sudden He came Where has he been You know He's been like Zombie basketball player For The season Like When was the last time You heard about Lamarcus Aldridge Hasn't been since Probably since he got To San Antonio actually But he stepped up That's been a great series I like that series a lot But when I was watching The Cavs Raptors game And I watched that one yesterday I felt a little bad for the Raptors, and then I kind of started thinking about it a little more. I was like, "Why am I? Why am I feeling bad for them? Like they don't? They're trying to play. It's a little. It's a little. It's it's a, it's funny actually because I was just praising San Antonio, and I love San Antonio. <laughs> if uh, is that they're they're kind of playing a little too old school of a style and a system, their philosophy." You know, San Antonio still plays like two big men basically most of the game. They don't have great outside three-point shooting. They got a couple guys like Danny Green and stuff can, you know, drop it from outside. Ginobili if he's if he's wide open. Kawhi has been ridiculous. He's been amazing. Like most of those guys you see like, you know, a guy like man, I'm all over the place on this one, but this is this is Kawhi Leonard is one of those guys that you're like, all right, this guy's a good player. He can play good defense. He's a pretty good offense. You know, he'll get to the hole, drive, whatever. That guy just makes, he makes shots like like Michael Jordan. You know, when Michael Jordan used to shoot and drive in the lane, just pull up or do this kind of like the floaters or the lay-ins or whatever he would just do, you knew it was going in most of the time or it just felt like it always went in, right? It always felt like that his shot just, you know, just dropped in the net. That's what Kawhi has been in this series and even in the last series, too, Kawhi feels like every time he just puts it up he's going to make that shot no matter what. And he'll the three-pointers mid-range, inside. It's been pretty it's been pretty great to watch. And if I had a if I watched more San Antonio games this season which, you know I don't know why San Antonio isn't on national TV more. Like it feels like every time I turn on TV Cleveland the Cavaliers is playing you know on on a nationally televised game I don't want to see Cleveland 20 to 30 times I don't I want to see I want to see different teams I want to see more teams uh San Antonio would be one of those teams I would like to see more a few more times a year get the opportunity I don't have the package I don't have the this the league pass or whatever so maybe I should get that maybe that's will solve one of my problems but anyway Kawhi Leonard has just been he's kind of been an eye-opener like that guy to me watching him now if I if I had a vote in the M- MVP race he I think he would have gotten my vote because that dude plays defense and he plays offense and he plays them hard both and he doesn't let up. Harden doesn't play defense at all. Westbrook he plays a little bit better defense than Harden but he ain't even close to Westbrook and his offense is sort of junky at best you know like this actually leads me. I'll, I'm gonna. This is actually gonna lead me to another conversation because I know where this is gonna go pretty quickly. So I'm just gonna get there. And this actually ties into my 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 thoughts about the Raptors uh, and the San Antonio about playing kind of an old school game. This game is evolving into three pointers. Cavaliers know it. Warriors know it. And it seems like the rest of the league is either trying to go against it, haven't figured it out yet, or just thinks that whatever player they have can just you know throw up threes like it's just it's just a it's just a volume thing like just shoot threes you're not very good at it but just shoot them and that doesn't make that's not that's not the point of this the Cavs have a team full of players who can shoot the three-pointer very well so is the Warriors although Cavs I think are a much better three-point shooting team overall as a team and the Cavs do this great. And the Raptors kind of started figuring this out a little bit in yesterday's game, is that you drive and you kick. Drive and kick and have your guys, Serge Ibaka was sitting in the corner outside the three-point line. There's a couple other guys, Powell was trying to do it, but he's not a very good three-point shooter yet, I don't think. Patterson, there's, like, you know, DeMar DeRozan, like they they have guys who can shoot the three sometimes, but they're not volume three-point shooters They're not knock-down three-point shooters Cleveland has Korver, Channing Fry Now how many times are you going gonna to let someone drive And kick And leave Channing Fry wide open You're not You're not You're not solving the problem here You're actually creating a, a worse problem for yourself Kyrie Irving Or LeBron James Runs it inside, right? Drives to the basket You have to. You all of a sudden you got three or four guys converging into the paint to try to stop him. Number one, you're not stopping LeBron James. You're just not. You're probably not stopping Kyrie Irving. You're not stopping Kawhi Leonard. All you're doing is you actually you're doing them a favor because you're letting you're leaving someone else open who can get a three point shot. And if it isn't obvious yet to a lot of people, a three pointer is worth more than two. And if you're leaving them, I mean, if, it's one thing if the, if the guy was standing out there. So here's the thing. Let LeBron drive. You have one guy, maybe two, commit. I don't even think that. I think you just playing one-on-one. But come in, try to have someone stop him. Try to get a rotation. But keep the guys who actually really shoot the three-pointers. Like Tristan Thompson's out there. Have that guy come help. Fine. Give up a two-pointer. Give up the alley-oop or, or the dunk, or the pass in that sense. Fine. Give up the two. Because LeBron's either scoring a two or Tristan's scoring a two who would you rather have it doesn't matter probably not but if LeBron kicks it to Channing Frye or Kyle Korver those guys should be standing and never moving next to their guy because I'd rather have them if he wants to kick it and try to force a three-point shot and a contested one fine if you're gonna make that great that's on you because that's good offense that's just a good shoot that's a good shot and a good shooter but if you're if you're a defensive team you're just allowing those guys to be wide open J.R. Smith Kyrie Irving, Shumpert, those guys can all knock them down. I saw a stat today. These guys were the whole team, not the whole team. Sorry, but like the the all, almost all those guys I've mentioned so far, eight guys or something, they're all shooting over forty percent from three pointers for this uh, for the playoffs. They've only played eight games. Small sample size, maybe, or they've just really gotten good at shooting three pointers right now in the season. At this point in the season, is it gonna? You th- is it gonna change much? Is it, is it gonna? You know, be any difference in the next round when they play Boston or, or Washington probably not is it going to change any when they play Golden State in the finals maybe Golden State's the only one I think can maybe handle the in the defense can actually switch properly rotate and get to get to uh, get to those switches quick enough Cleveland I actually I this is actually something I've watched Cleveland do is they're they're actually good on defense of getting the rotations. Around quickly Like they'll help But then The ball gets kicked out To the Raptors guys Along the three point line Or outside To DeRozan Inside the three point line Which is Another thing that I'm trying to get to Is why is DeRozan Not embracing the three point shot more But a lot lot of these teams aren't A lot of these players aren't John Wall should be John Wall would probably be One of the Top And best players In the NBA right now If he had a good three point shot If he was shooting High threes uh, or even in the you know the 400 percent or the 40 percent mark. So anyway, Cleveland does a good job of, of rotating on defensively. Like Toronto never seemed like they had a, like a wide open shot. And I don't know what the, I don't know what the stats are on this. I don't know what the percentages are, but I was just watching the game and I noticed it. Cleveland kind of got to their man rotating, at least got a hand up going towards their player. Who's, who had the ball off the driving kick. Turn it around. The Raptors just weren't rotating quick enough. They weren't playing good enough defense. They were allowing Cleveland to, you know, kick it out to one of the wings, guys out in the three-point line, and they were pretty much wide open. They were at least two to three steps away from him. Where Cleveland were like a one, maybe two steps at most. And I think it made a difference. I think it made a huge difference. A wide open three As opposed to a contested three That's a big difference Now some of those guys Are just good enough They're going to knock them down On their own Doesn't matter how Much of a hand You have in their face But since Toronto's Not a good enough Three point shooting team In the first place They're not They're not doing themselves Any favors When they're You know When the defense is right there And putting a hand in their face Anyway The point I'm trying to I guess make here Is that these teams need to, I think these teams need to come around. And maybe it's not so easy to do because maybe there just isn't that many great three-point shooting teams yet. And Cleveland looks like they kind of have a monopoly on this thing, but they figured it out. And that's why, they, that's why they're a sign of a good team, is they're ahead of the curve here. And they're figuring out what their team is all about and what they can do. Of course, they also have LeBron James, which makes a huge difference and solves a lot of those sort of other problems and issues with, with t- a team, anyway. But um, it, it's it's uh, it was something I was noticing, and I was watching. It and it's you know, it's clean. It's teams like like Toronto, like San Antonio, a little bit. You could see it coming San Antonio's way. Once Mono Ginobili's out, once Tony Parker's you know retired, if he comes back at all from this injury, you know they they need to play a little bit more of a space game. The Clippers, Clippers are kind of the same thing. Is it time? You know, is it? T- it's it's time to kind of rethink. I think their philosophy a little bit. You know, they they kind of they play the kind of the two big man kind of philosophy. Although I think Blake Griffin is is a guy who can kind of step out a little bit farther. Lamarcus Aldridge is is kind of that player a little bit in San Antonio, but Lamarcus Aldridge should embrace his three pointer. Like have him practicing threes all night. You know, all off season here. Why aren't all these guys? Why isn't so? That's my point. Why isn't John Wall? And why isn't guys like Demar Derozan and those guys aren't? Why aren't they embracing the three-point shot a little bit more, knowing that this is the way the game is played and this is more effective uh, and deadlier of, of a kind of an offensive philosophy, is to at least give them the threat that you're going to knock down those three-point shooters and I those shots. And, and I don't even mean this is like, you know, I don't know if he will ever become a great shooter. Derozan doesn't feel like that kind of guy. You know, he doesn't feel like Kawhi. Like Jordan or some of these guys in the past, where you know every time they put a shot up, you just assume it's going in. I watched plenty of the game yesterday. There's plenty of times where DeRozan shoots, and I'm like, hmm, and that doesn't, you know, rims out, and then Cleveland gets the rebound, and it was, it was kind of, it was a little, kind of broke my heart a little bit to watch that because it was like they were trying so hard and they had so much effort and they were really trying to win that game and keep it close. and And it, after a while, they were doing a good job for a while. And they had a the crowd going, and it was, it was, it seemed to be like a good game plan. And then, and then it wasn't. Um, and that's a shame. Because, um, you know, I think the effort and the hustle and the grit can only get you so far, in a sense. And um, but if you can't play the game, like you're you're they're they're already kind of playing from behind, basically, right? In the sense, that's kind of what it is. Uh, Toronto could only do so much, but they were already playing from behind because they were already at a at a at a loss, playing against a team who shoots a three pointer so well, and it has an offense that's purely runs that kind of a scheme and they have the players to do it and 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 achieve and be very successful at that and toronto is kind of caught like i said they're kind of caught in the middle here of being that team um and you know and 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 where are they go, you know where are they going to go from here where are they going to go for the future next season are they going to brace this are they going to try to change it up a little bit you know, do they let Kyle Lowry leave? Does the Clippers, you know, stay with their big three of Griffin, Paul, and DeAndre Jordan? Or do they sort of embrace change a little bit and say, hey, we need to change our game a little bit here? Now too. we need you know their best three-point shooter, J.D. Redick, is probably gonna leave the Clippers. He'd probably go somewhere else. It, it's those It's those, I think, philo- philosophical ideas um you know team team philosophy of how to play the game in this day and age and seeing what um you know what we you know a lot of teams what they do do they adapt or do they still keep trying to do what they're doing maybe it works maybe they don't but at least i think at least have some players that are are you don't have to maybe sort of change your entire squad and you know get rid of all your players but at least go hey you know in the off season Let's work on three-point shooting a little bit more Let's be a better three-point shooting team And maybe they already do that, but it doesn't seem like it Some of these guys just seem like, hey, this is who I am DeMar DeRozan just seems like, hey, I'm a I drive to the basket I am a scorer, I'm not a shooter I'm a scorer John Wall's kind of the same way He wants to get to the basket, lay-ins, dunks uh, Drive and kick it You know, those kinds of of things Uh, And that's fine, I guess But It's, you know I I just, I have my doubts If these guys can win That way Anymore Especially, especially When you're going up against two dominant teams right now In the NBA, like the Warriors and the Cavs Like like If this hasn't worked for the last couple years You know, do you really think It's going to work Anytime soon For any other um, For any other teams Like if you you almost, you know there's, a, there's always that saying in sports I feel like people are like Well don't, you know Don't make change just to make change But in this instance Don't you kind of have to think that way a little bit Don't you have to Don't you have to kind of just Take a look in the mirror and go Hey, maybe what we're doing is not working But we can tweak it We can alter it We can have a little different approach to it You know, it's not, it doesn't have to be a wholesale change but try to be, you know, and easier said than done, obviously, right? Because then you've got to trade for players. But a lot of these teams actually have some pretty decent talent. I, I, I'd be willing, most of those guys on the Raptors are pretty decent players, and some other teams probably going to want them. So if you can get the right package for them, obviously, if you can get the guy you want now, so, you, you know, DeMar Carroll is a, is a good small forward for Toronto. He's a good defensive player, he's a pretty good offensive player, but he's not a great three point shooter. So, can you trade DeMar, DeMar Carroll for a f- small forward who can shoot the three-point better, a little, you know, three, the three-point shot a little bit better, and p- still play quality defense? San Antonio does a thing where they play good team defense. You know, like Lamarcus Aldridge, I don't think is a great defender by himself. Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili are old enough now where they have a hard time. They can step it up from game, you know, game or two at a time here and there. But overall, for a full season, to play great individual defense, I don't know if you can actually count on that. But they play great team defense. They know how to play defense as a team, where to be in spots, how to rotate, when to help, shift, move. Those are the kind of things uh, that I think you, know, you can maybe cover up. And, and it just seems like a little bit more now these days, especially with the rules, a little more offensive philosophy uh, you know Playing a little more to the office inside of the game It might be a little more beneficial to teams It might be I don't know, we'll see Anyway um, That's uh, Man that was my basketball rant I guess That was a long one And it was winding It was a, I don't know where I was going But it kept going And um I'm okay with it but what else can we talk about I don't know what else can we do here I also got a problem here my computer I think froze or something on me and it jacked me up and I don't have my show notes um in front of me so I'm trying to remember what else I had I uh, Lavar Ball. Do I want to? Talk? That's the thing that just pops into my head. I'm actually having an internal debate in my head now. Is this what I wanted to talk about next? Lavar Ball. He is the father of a college basketball player who's turning pro and will be in the NBA draft in the next month and a half. He's a good basketball. His kid's a good basketball player. Lavar Ball's an even better talker than his son who plays basketball. They just released a shoe There's this whole drama It feels weird even talking about this kind of stuff Because this is the kind of stuff that I don't like giving credence to Or don't, you know, like putting on, you know, talking about it But everybody else is talking about it And it's kind of hard not to Because this dude is either the biggest idiot in the world Or he's a genius And I mean like Stephen Hawking level genius This guy... Was shopping a shoe deal For his son Which I also think is funny Because this guy Is leading his son's Basically his whole son's Marketing campaign And And uh He does all the talking For his son Basically right He just That's all he does I've never heard his son Do an interview Maybe hardly even say Two words Which is fine Because his dad's Really good at this stuff And uh He's he was shopping his sons. You know, most of these rookies they get a shoe deal, right? And Millions of dollars, usually for the life of their their first and uh, their rookie contract or whatever. And then I think usually gets renegotiated depending on how well they actually play. So Levar Ball, the dad, is talking a big game about how he's going to get this. Billion dollar shoe deal for his son His sons actually because he has two more sons coming That are still in like junior high And high school some other ridiculousness But he's doing He's doing a good thing here He's putting their name Out there they have their own brand It's like big baller brand And he's talking A lot of Nonsense But it's having an effect isn't it because this guy is always in the news People ESPN's talking about him Radio stations All across the land The guy is kind of a genius In a way isn't he He's really He's really just kind of He's just putting himself out there And his son out there And he's saying whatever he wants And he's getting attention And that's basically That's basically his marketing ploy He's like just to get attention Make people notice me and they're and they are. Everybody's noticing him and it's working. So anyway, he was basically shopping up his shoe his shoes for his son to get a shoe deal. But the catch was he wants his own baller brand to be part of the shoe deal, right? So he's not just gonna you know, his son just won't play for Nike or Under Armour or Adidas. He wants to just sign with them. He wants those shoe companies, these billion dollar shoe companies to go, hey, we're going to give you money, but we're, then we're also going to license this brand that your father has created. Most of them have already passed and said, no thanks. So LeVar Ball said, all right, hell with it. We'll make our own shoe. They just released, a, I guess, a prototype. I don't think you can quite, you can buy them now or you can pre-order them, I guess is probably the correct way to say it. $495 for a sneaker. For a basketball shoe That's a lot of cheddar For a guy who's not even Played in the NBA yet Who barely played In the NCAA tournament He had one season He's a freshman He had one season He has no marketability At all Yet Except for his father And you're paying $495 Now there's no word on if there's a market yet Or any of that kind of crap and nonsense Because who knows Who knows what this You know If this is somewhat true Or if it's just a marketing play at this point Just to get people talking about it Does he drop the price a little bit later on He probably does You know But he's still going to get I don't know hundreds if not thousands of orders Because you know there's people out there might be some of you are listening are gonna be like yeah man those shoes are dope i'm gonna get one of those i'll pay i'll pay 500 bucks heck yeah i'm not i'm not going to i would never do it. i don't even buy 200 shoes like jordan shoes i didn't want i never wanted jordan shoes like i like sneakers but i don't like paying 200 for for a pair of shoes for what they don't make me play any better they don't make me look any better either but I think I think this guy is this guy is brilliant. He's annoying, but he's brilliant and I respect him for what he's doing. He's trying to get his brand and his son out there. Cuz <clears throat> he knows you just it's just the law of dumb people are listening and going, "You know what? I buy, I'm buying this dude's shoes." Cuz if this guy blows up and becomes a really good player, this guy's not even going to be a top I, He's not even the top consensus player in the draft right now, right? Like, he's not a once in a generational talent. He's not LeBron James. He might be Steph Curry. Maybe. That's probably like his high point at this point. Steph Curry ain't doing a good job of like really selling shoes, basically. Or maybe you should say, like, Under Armour isn't doing a good job of selling Steph Curry shoes. But, like, Durant. LeBron James is probably the only other guy and he's LeBron James doesn't even have his own brand He he's under Nike and Air Jordans Air Michael Jordan is the only guy in the history to have his own shoe line that's an athlete I, don't know, I think whenever Kanye West or you know somebody has the Yeezys which oddly enough are about the same price as these LeVar Ball big Baller brand shoes that, you know so and those are not basketball shoes those are more of a High end fashion item Which apparently I think this is what This guy's going for too But also you can Play ball in them I just I want I want to know In six months time When these When these shoes come out Because nobody knows Who manufactures them Right Are they made in China Somewhere Most likely Are they going to hold up Are they going to be Like a good shoe Are they going to be A good shoe You can actually play in Are they going to Burst at the seams As soon as you buy them And you try to You try to make some guy You know cross over some dude Or something On the street On the court I don't know. I think it's... Uh, I <laughs> that's actually what I'm, I'm... Part of me hopes that and a part of me just because people just be... like all the stupid people who bought these shoes and just be like, you bought a dumb shoe just because you're, you're dumb, basically. And that's... I kind of want the shoe to fall apart and I kind of want this guy to fail but I also kind of want him to succeed a little bit because he's basically shooting for the moon here and he's basically, he's basically banking on himself and on his kid and going the shoe game and the marketing game is kind of going to change right and he's going to be the dude that changed it it's because someone's going to change it at some point some point this is going to happen where someone is going to be big enough big enough baller to change this game a little bit and go hey I am my own brand now you're going to buy my brand and that's how we're going to do business whether it's shoes or clothing or anything else right LeBron James is kind of there Like he's kind of, he's made his own entity and he does a lot of his own things and he makes his own money away from the sport. And he's done, I think, a really great job of it. But the one thing he doesn't have yet is his own shoe, which I think is actually really pretty interesting because if there's any dude who could challenge Air Jordans, wouldn't it be LeBron's? Like there's no baseball player that ain't going to do that. Football ain't going to do that either. The simple fact is they play with cleats, so you can't market those as well. And That's baseball's problem, also. Soccer is sort of the same way. I don't even know if like Messi or Ronaldo has a big enough shoe, uh, has a shoe of their own brand, or if, you know they're they're under like Adidas or Nike or somebody. I don't know, but I think LeBron might be the only guy athlete out there. Mark Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods was probably the only other guy who could have done it ten years ago. And he was with Nike, you know, but it was also, again, it's a golf shoe. But you can also make golf shoes that, you know, you can remove the spikes. You can make a shoe there maybe that could kind of, you know, you could play golf in it and then go hit the town, take your lady out for a nice chop. Anyway, St- Stephen Marbury has his own brand, right? He's in line, Starbury, he's in line. He works with a Chinese company that manufactures them. But he sells them for 20 bucks or something for a pair of shoes. So this is kind of a different deal here that the LeVar Ball is trying to accomplish. So if he can, great. I don't know. I'm just, I just, you know. And here's, the, here's actually the, the genius thing about this. Most of these basketball shoes are, you know, about 150 to 200 bucks, probably, right? So if LeVar Ball said, all right, screw all you shoe companies, we're going to do this ourselves, and then came out with his own shoe that's $200, we wouldn't be talking about this, would we? Like the internet wouldn't have been wouldn't be exploding, and social media, And <laughs> sports, talk shows wouldn't be giving this a second thought, would he? So he sets the price of you know just under five hundred bucks. It gets people talking about it, and it gets people interested in it. And apparently, I just saw something today. He's already he's already said he's gotten hundreds of orders already. And I saw uh, Was it Darren Novell Of ESPN Actually came out With this You know this The idea the, the thought behind this Is that These shoes usually Take six months To produce So that means He's taking orders now So this The shoe will be ready And be produced And made In what November Something like that Right around the start Of the basketball season Just after the start Of basketball season So this guy knows Right now Basically he's putting In an order Say he gets 1,000 people ordering shoes. I don't think that's very, I think that's pretty li- uh, likely, actually. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think that's unreasonable to assume he can get 1,000 orders. So there's 1,000 people out there in the world, millions and millions and millions of people, and he gets 1,000 people to order shoes. He knows he only has to make 1,000 shoes to get produced by November and see how well he does. See how well his shoe, his, his shoe sells in the next six months. Like get an initial get an initial order in five hundred whatever he only has to pay for those, and the more shoes he gets, I think right is usually how this works. The more shoes he gets on order, the the price comes down to actually manufacture and make that shoe. So you know if he only sells hundred shoes, well then he's you know his profit margins aren't that great, but whatever. Now he now he know he has a sort of his baseline of what he thinks he can accomplish with his shoe. He gets a thousand people, that shoe price to manufacture comes way down. He's making he's making a bigger uh, profit margin. I think that's pretty smart. I you know, and then you know another couple hours, and his son starts playing well next season, and is actually probably the best rookie out there, making a name for himself. He's going to get more. He's you know he's he's only going to get more orders. It's only going to be better for him and his son. And they're going to make a lot more money off of this. And then in a couple of years time, if this actually does pretty well he can go back to some of the shoe companies and go hey now i have numbers on this you know talk to me now we can maybe make another shoe deal and he can kind of leverage that a little bit the worst thing that happens is he's, he so, this sort of fails for him a little bit and in failing he only sells a couple hundred shoes in the next calendar year and then he, you know and then what and then he goes back and goes okay this didn't work still give me he, his son would still get millions of dollars in an endorsement deal so there, there's basically there's no loss here basically for for them on this. I can't believe I just talked that long about Lonzo Ball and the shoe deal, but I think it's I think it's actually pretty interesting. The more I read about it and the more I look into it, and you, you start thinking about this stuff, it's actually kind of an interesting concept or notion. And I, I'm actually you know, in a weird way, I'm kind of rooting for this dude. All right, what else to talk about? I don't want to talk about Christoph Sporzingas His Twitter getting hacked I think that's one of the dumbest stories I've ever read and heard And I don't really care Especially because it's so You don't even know what the story is He tweeted something No one even knows what in reference it was He said it was hacked And it's not even It's like who cares This is so boring He, He tweeted the clippers With like three smiley face emojis if this was even close to like Ray Ray Allen tweet story, then we would be onto something. Then it would be interesting. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go Google Allen, uh, Google Ray Allen Twitter. Apparently, he was tweet uh, t- t- some oh, nasty, nasty thoughts. A little nasty boy. Oh, you nasty boy. This was years ago too. This was probably at least ten years ago, I think, or something. Maybe not that long. Back in the early 2000s, there somewhere though. Uh, before 2010 he was tweeting at which i assumed was a lady and was uh, some very uh sexually suggestive remarks on his twitter apparently he said it was hacked too i believe and that he had to change his twitter handle even make sure that didn't happen again although it seems like he might have been trying to uh, direct message some uh, lady and um the whole world read it so unless you've got a story about, like, that, I mean, that's the level of, like, Twitter hacking, sending out the wrong Twitter messages kind of stories that, like, I think people are giving way too much airtime. Like, even now, I think I'm giving too much airtime to Chris Steps, Porzingis. And I think there's a better story out there about, um, maybe talking about... Chris Stepps, for saying he's actually leaving the Clippers, which I guess ties into, or leaving the. See, there we go. Now I screwed it all up. Roaned it. Rowaned the bet. If Chris Stepps would actually leave the Knicks or if they would trade him, there's, maybe there's a story. But maybe that's why people are kind of fishing for this because he he tweeted out the name, name of a team that, um There might be some rumors in there or something. I don't know. Anyway, I'm so. I feel so bad I even started talking about that. For the fact. When especially when you have another player who's right next, you know, in the same team in Carmelo, who just who just the whole team basically Phil Jackson has come out and said Carmelo Anthony should should leave the Knicks, basically. He's basically begging Carmelo Anthony to accept a trade out of town, to to forego his uh, no trade clause basically just, you know, put that in the shredder and say, "Hey, please get me out of New York." Which I think is kind of a weird thing too because it's it's um the NBA Players Association head executive director Michelle Roberts even, you know, came out and said something that, you know, how dare Phil Jackson say something about this um and and suggesting that he's just trying to publicly shame Carmelo Anthony out of New York which I think is kind of a laughable notion and it's probably it's just probably more the fact that she's the way she phrased it and said it like like Carmel Anthony doesn't seem like the kind of guy you can just shame out of a town right like he's dude wanted to be in New York he wanted to be traded to New York he wanted to be traded to the Knicks and then he wanted to sign he signed another big deal with a no trade clause Saying basically, saying like I don't care what really happens, and he could have he could have removed that no trade clause in the last couple of years when the Knicks were sucking, and he's basically he's like, nope, I'm good here, I'm staying here. So you think by by the president, the general manager, whatever Phil Jackson is, whatever title he holds with the Knicks, he's going to shame him out of out of leaving? No, no. If Carmelo wants to leave, he'll leave. If Carmelo wants out. He'll get out. And don't think for a second that probably decision probably already hasn't been made by Carmelo Anthony or in conjunction with the team. You don't think those... I know they're airing a lot of their dirty laundry publicly. And maybe they're not the smartest people in the world. And maybe that's the point is that maybe they haven't discussed this. But wouldn't you think... Richard Sherman and the Seahawks basically was like agreed to like, hey, trade me if you can. And the Seahawks were like, yeah, all right, we'll see what we can do. Maybe that's a good idea. Like, they both agreed, like, hey, you know what we'll do? We'll see if we can trade you. And if we get a good enough offer and we can move you, we'll move you. Richard Sherman's a pretty smart guy. Seahawks, pretty well-run team. You would think, as smart as Car- Carmelo Reclaims and acts like he is Apparently he's the world's greatest Businessman He would have have had this conversation At least he would have been like listen you know Who knows what the Knicks are doing themselves As an organization and I've been trying to defend Phil Jackson here for the last couple years But that dude just seems like he's gone off the deep end a little bit And maybe he has this Phil Jackson does things differently I get that Anyway I'm out of time I didn't realize it I, I gotta go show's almost over i've been rambling so long the show is done i gotta go bye